This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino, San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun. And joining us right in the premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline is the second tallest person on the field before the game. Yes. On Saturday at Petco Park <laughs> behind Ralph Sampson is Bob Scanlon from Valley Sports San Diego. Scan, it's great to have you back on Ben and Woods on a great Monday morning in this town. Oh, my gosh. It, it is a great Monday morning. Thanks for having me on. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm still trying to recover from that celebration, uh, the excitement of that game, this, the emotion throughout it, and then the, the, the joy and ecstasy afterwards of celebrating what has just been uh, an, an incredible season for, for this ball club. And, I mean, guys, have you ever seen Petco Park so on fire Never. as it was? I mean, how, how magical was that entire night, just the way everything played out in terms of the Padres clinching, doing it against the Dodgers, doing it at home, Joe starting that ball game, a comeback fashion. I mean, could you have scripted it any better, guys? No, you really couldn't have. I mean, the, like the only other way it could have been better is if Joe goes seven no-hit innings and you score five <laughs> in the first off of Tyler Anderson and, and it's over. But the, the magic that, that the bottom seven, you know, bottom seven is going to be something we are going to remember around here for a long time, Scan. And, uh, man, it was so fun getting to see you before uh, both games. I will see you tomorrow. We have to continue our pregame uh, dap up. I'm very superstitious. When you were a player, how superstitious? Because it worked two games in a row. When you were a player, were you were you a superstition guy or a, a, a routine? I know you're a routine guy, but like superstition wise. Oh, you mean other than putting my left sock on first and then my right sock there and then having go. my special T-shirt and then having the food that I had to eat at a certain hour and having my sunflower seeds in the second and a piece of gum in the fourth inning and getting up in the seventh to play catch with the outfielders. and yep. No, I had no superstition yeah. at all. <laughs> Every baseball player at any level is just an absolute psychopath, and that's what I love the most about this game, including, by the way, Bob Melvin and his root beer barrels. Like, it is just – it's the weirdest thing, but you will see me – in the exact same outfit you saw me in the previous two games tomorrow as we're down on the field before the game scan. Now, I want to I wanna bring this up because uh, nobody knows this. I haven't even told Ben and Paul. But Scan and I got into a discussion before the last game, so on Saturday. And I asked Scan about this because I had just heard John Smoltz very upset about the layoff. We've seen a lot I of I was pe- here for that. Oh, you were there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yep. Scan yep. and I – now, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm usually going to de- defer to a guy that did it – at that level. But it is different, pitchers, hitters, etc. So we were talking about scan the the playoff format. And there was you could see that side where people were you're like, I actually kind of understand why people are complaining about this a little bit. Have you changed your tune at all? Or do you do you want to elaborate on it? You're talking about the time off? Yeah. For the time off season? Yep. No, I'm not changing my I'm not gonna change my tune. I can only speak from my personal experience. Yep. So what you and I were discussing was does having five to six days off potentially affect a ball club? And obviously nobody wants to ever use it as an excuse. I would never expect a team to do that, nor do I think that a team that would be the team that had five days off would have anything to apologize for. But I just know my, my own personal experience, never went to postseason, but there were times where I would have three to four days off during all-star break. And on the one hand, I felt a little bit more physically rejuvenated, but there was just a sharpness in my stuff, there was a sharpness in my, my mental approach. There was just something that wasn't quite as, as on cue that first couple of days back as what it was during the season. And it was just for me, I, I was on such a routine of every single day, 
knowing I needed to go to the ballpark, knowing I was going to do my physical routine, knowing I was going to get my, my flat ground in and then get, get a bullpen in every two days and be around the guys and just all the stuff that goes on with it. For me, I felt a little out of sync for the first couple of days back after having four or five off. But not, I'm not saying that's for everybody, but it was for me. So it would not surprise me at all if there was you know, certain guys on, on the teams, whether it be Atlanta or, or the Dodgers, that maybe that was a factor for. Again, not using it as an excuse. I'm just sharing with my personal experience that for me, I was such a routine guy that to be out of that routine, even for four days, it took me a couple of days to get back into it. So you know, but that, that was our discussion. You know, but I, I think though, with the complaints about the playoff format, there's no playoff format that's going to replicate a 162 game season. But I would argue there there shouldn't be. And sometimes I think too much is made about you know being the best team in the regular season. For me, and we've been talking about this this morning. Sports is more is is not about dominating in the regular season. It's about it's about getting better coming together as a team, growing, and then figuring out a way to play your best ball, whether it's baseball or basketball or football, at the end of the season when it counts in, in pressure-packed situations. They're totally different things. It doesn't take away a 111-win season from the Dodgers, but it's a different goal, and the Padres right now are succeeding at that goal, and that's, that's what the playoffs are for. I don't disagree with anything that you just said right there. And I think there's a lot of factors that go into it as well. Right? I love your description of you're a ball club and you're developing as the season goes on and you're, you're getting closer and you're getting better and you're improving as individuals and you're improving as a team and you finally get to the end of the season and you've, you've, you've come together as this united group and everybody's you know, at their best at the end. of yeah, that, I think that kind of describes what the Padres have done, isn't it? And, and that's yep. a wonderful thing to see. But there's also the side of there are certain teams that are actually built, their roster constructions, um, such that they are going to have a better chance of being successful over the long run versus being successful in a more intense postseason situation. And by intense, I mean better competition, right? Uh, and, and what you've got to do to be able to get through those short series. And so I think there are also the ways teams are constructed that are going to have more success over the long season versus a short season. And I also think there's a factor of how you manage your club in terms of decisions that you make that you know strategically are going to be more successful over 162 games over maybe not necessarily being as appropriate for a shorter postseason where, again, you're playing a different level of competition. And so maybe some of those strategical decisions that you make over the long haul aren't quite as successful in the short run. And I think we've seen all of that in different postseason seasons. you know, matchups have factors in different levels. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Talking to our pal Bob Scanlon here, uh, the big righty. And I'll tell you, man, a little bit more inside baseball behind the curtain. Uh, when you're down on the field pregame and Scan's there and he's got his notepad, um, he, you know, talking to everybody down there as we're trying to do as well. But there's a group that Scan will gravitate towards and you will see a big smile creep across his face as they get done throwing their warm-ups. And you see Tim Hill walk by and you see Robert Suarez and Luis Garcia and scan, that's what you did, man. Like those are your people; those are your guys. Uh, you can see it in your face how proud you are of Josh Hader and all of those guys, man. Just I hate the old generic talk about, but I, talk about this bullpen scan and what you've seen from these guys uh, this last couple of weeks. It's been unreal. You know, th- thanks for noticing that, and I think it's true. And I don't know that I even would have assessed that myself. So, a good scouting report on your part in terms of. You know, uh, those kind of being my peeps, because they were. I spent a lot of my major league career in the bullpen. I can understand intimately what those guys go through 
over the course of a season, um, standing on the mound with you know bases loaded, nobody out, a 3-0 count, the best hitter at the plate, uh, whatever it may be, just those various situations that guys go through, times where you're feeling locked in, times where you're struggling, the ebbs and flows of the season. And I mean, there's so much that goes into it for all these players. But uh, as you mentioned, I'm especially attached to bullpen guys having experienced it so much. And those those guys have been so amazing all season long. And I give Bob Melvin a ton of credit because he's taken the pressure off those guys as much as he possibly could over the course of the season, right? So that these guys are fresh. Um, and Ben Fritz has done a fabulous job, as has Ruben Niebla, in terms of managing this pitching staff so that they are what they are at this point. Um, but what they've accomplished here in the postseason in terms of the number of runners that they've inherited, that they've been able to strand, um, some of the self-induced situations that they've been able to work out of. I mean, those are turning points. When you've got runners on third against the Dodgers and, you, and you've got a one-run lead and you strand that guy in back-to-back innings, that's getting the job done. When you've got a two-run lead in the eighth and you just blow people away one, two, three, and just take the pressure off, don't even give that other team an opportunity to think that they're back in this ballgame before you're handing it off to Josh Hader, that's, that's clutch bullpen work right there. Having Josh Hader slam the door down in your face night after night. I mean, that just boosts your whole team up. It totally deflates the other team. They know things are over. How about the job Tim Hill did the other day? Unreal. After, you know, he comes in, a, a rally is, is going, and he's able to get the next two guys out of retirement, strand runners at second and third. Those types of things, oftentimes it go under the radar a little bit, but when you go back and you look at it, Yes, Jake Cronenworth's base hit was huge, and we're going to celebrate that, and it, and it should be celebrated. But don't forget what Tim Hill did in terms of keeping that game close and under control and not letting things get out of hand against the Dodger offense that easily got things out of hand all season, right? So these little things that go on, oftentimes we overlook, but believe me, those are, those are turning points, and this bullpen has been absolutely outstanding. Tons of respect. Uh, for what these guys have done all season long, and especially here in the postseason. All right, Bob, let's switch our attention to the starting rotation for this upcoming best-of-seven LCS against the Phillies. Uh, clearly getting that win in Game 4 has a huge benefit for Bob Melvin because the talk was you Darvish quietly getting ready to start <laughs> oh, on yeah. three days rest Sunday. Now he doesn't have to. They're set up for Games 1, 2, and 3, presumably you know, Darvish, Snell, Musgrove. But after that, it gets a little tricky with uh, only the one off day in the series. How do you feel like Bob Melvin may handle this, uh, particularly in game four and if the series goes the entire distance to seven games? Yeah, this is crazy, isn't it? I mean, as you noted, so huge that they didn't have to ask you, Darvish, to pitch on short rest, which he's never done in his career. Um, And I'm still curious to talk to Bob and you about that today in terms of finding out how, you know, was that the plan? How prepared was he? How does that alter maybe his routine? Because he's very much a routine guy. But as you mentioned, works out. You get you Darvish in game number one, Blake Snell in game number two on full rest. Joe Musgrove, because of the day off, he comes back Friday. Uh, but then game number four on Saturday in Philadelphia, that's the question right now, right? And, you know, Mike Clevenger's is a possibility. You could go with Shamanaya potentially as well, just in looking at the Phillies lineup and how they've had success or not versus righties or lefties. It looks like they've had a little bit more success against left-handed pitching. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if Mike Clevenger was still on tap to get that, just out of the righty-lefty matchup type thing. Um, but they're going to have to figure that out. And the final game as well, right? Because it would be potentially Joe Musgrove, but he would have to be going on short rest at that point. Uh, but maybe he does that. You know, maybe we see him pull a bum garner if there's a game seven. Sure. And we're talking even more about the lore of Joe Musgrove. And now he, you know, 
one game number three and came back on short notice. And, you know, look, crazy things happen in the postseason and anything can happen in the postseason. But again, I, I, I don't want to get too wrapped up in focusing on that because we were getting all wrapped up on game number five in this series and it never happened. Thank goodness. Um, so I think a lot of it depends on where you are, how much of your bullpen have you used, who's available. Um, but let's just thank, thank God right now, right, that you got Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove all going on full rest to start the, the top three series. And then don't forget the Phillies. They've got a tough, uh, tough top three that they're coming at you with as well. So good, good pitching matchups. Um, to start the series off, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, our defense yeah. is better. Uh, they, their, their, their guys are hitting a little bit better than we are right mm-hmm. now, but we're pitching better. Our bullpen is better. So, I mean, it's it's a really evenly matched uh, type scene that we're going to be going up against. And I just, again, to to kind of belabor that point, scan the bullpen bullpen management. There's guys that that have not gotten a lot of looks. You know, Morahone right now is is a guy you'd love to. Get that guy going for a, a long, you know, seven game series. So hopefully, Bob and I trust him implicitly. Uh, we'll be able to work some of those guys in that didn't get a lot of action in these really tight games against the Dodgers. I agree, and I think it's more likely to see some of that happen over a longer series now, right? For sure. Uh, there's just there's going to be more opportunities to do that, and all those guys are going to be dependent upon. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. The other thing I'm curious to see about is how, how important is the bottom part of this Padres it's lineup? Massive, yet? massive. Huge, Massive. right? I mean, it was Profar and uh, and Cronenworth that got the job done in, in that first win against the Dodgers. You know, Trent Grisham with the home run in, in the second win. Uh, it was Grisham and Nola that got the, the rally going with their hits in, in the seventh inning the other night. So they have been factors in every one of these Padres wins so far yep. in the postseason. I think Nola's and, been uh, huge. Yeah, I, yep. I mean, asking him to do more than he's ever done, starting every game. Is it possible yep. to start seven out of eight, though, going forward? Or are they going to have to use an Alfaro or a Camposano at some point in this series just to keep Austin Nola from collapsing? No, I think you keep asking Austin how you're feeling today. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and maybe maybe if there's a – well, we got the day game after night game coming up. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Days off, so – so he'll. I'm pretty sure that he'll get the first couple of starts here, but um, I think it's something Bob's got to keep an eye on. But for me right now, the way things are going, the way the staff is responding, and the way he's swinging the bat, and how can you not have him facing his brother and have that magic have to. going you as have well, to. right? So uh, how about how about that? What are the Nola parents feeling right now? I mean, <laughs> they were torn in the regular season when they had their their two sons uh, competing against each other. Now it's going to be postseason. Boy, I. I mean, it's exciting for that family, but a lot of inner inner stress, too, don't you think? I always picture them saying, well, Aaron, obviously when you're pitching, we're cheering for you, but in the other games, we're cheering for Austin, and Aaron's going like, but Mom, we want to win the series, too. You can't just cheer for Russ when I'm pitching. I need my other guys to do well. What what do you mean? We don't want to lose four games to two here. What are you talking about, Mom? Yeah, and Austin beat me last time. He had the game-winning hit. Yeah, sure did. Do do you guys remember how, how torn Austin was after that hit? Oh yeah, I mean, I, and the dad. I, I interviewed him in the yeah. I interviewed him in the post game on the field because it was the game winning hit, and you could see in his eyes. I mean, it was almost watering up. He felt. I mean, on the one hand, excited about getting hit, but he felt so bad about being the guy that put the L on his brother's record. You could really tell he was internally. So it's a really neat relationship between these two guys. They're very competitive, but they also care about each other and, and love each other as families. So it's going to be a fun thing to watch and. Uh, uh, I'm not going to lie. We're all biased that we hope uh, Austin's the one that has the bigger smile on his face at oh, the end. Yeah. And, but I just hope that I hope that that family can uh, 
enjoy the series and, and that there's bright moments for, for both of the brothers throughout, right, guys? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Bob, really appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. I know everyone's been really busy, but uh, we really do appreciate uh, it. Oh, my gosh. This is just so exciting for the city of San Diego. Padre fans, you were amazing all season long and in the postseason. Way to bring it. Uh, ben and Woodsy, you guys are awesome. I can't wait to see you out there. And Woodsy, we got to keep our tradition going. We'll, we'll keep it up, believe you me. Bob, Bob Scanlon on our Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads.